Part twenty one of Beckside Lights by John Ackworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Harmonium three The Angel's Song. Now that they had gained their victory, the advocates of the new harmonium seemed strangely slow in accomplishing their purpose, and those who had voted at the memorable trustees' meeting not only rebuked all attempts at congratulation but showed a most remarkable testiness on the subject and could only be induced to discuss it when absolutely necessary several earnest attempts were also made to bring the clogger to a better mind and the date of the introduction of the new instruments was deferred again and again meanwhile jabe maintained a dignified silence on the matter and when compelled to allude to it he did so in the fewest possible words and it was noted as an ominous sign that instead of being explosive and vehement, his remarks sounded sad and resigned. But when in their desire to win him over, anyone actually compelled him to show his mind, it was found that he remained solidly and stubbornly obstinate. After several postponements, therefore, it was felt that the matter could no longer be delayed, and Long Ben reluctantly consented to go and examine the singing pew to see what would be required in the way of structural alterations in order to accommodate the coming instrument. But although Sam Speck and Lige were both there next morning to assist him, the carpenter did not turn up, and when they went down to the shop in search of him, nobody knew where he was. Another and yet another appointment had to be made, and it was only on the third occasion that Ben presented himself. And when he did come, he seemed very half-hearted about the matter, and but for Sam's persistence he would have gone away again without settling anything. By dint of much pressure and prompting, however, they at length got him to work, but even then he was provokingly absent-minded. He measured the place that would have to be cleared to make room for the harmonium three times, and then, if Sam had not taken down the measurements, they would have been no further on with their business. After looking abstractedly around, and vainly trying to start discussions on other matters, Ben began, absently, to measure again. "'What the ferrups are to doing?' cried Sam, in vexed surprise. Ben stopped, looked inquiringly at Sam for a moment, discovered what he had done, and then, turning round with an impatient gesture, cried, "'Confound the harmonium! Oh, I wish I'd scratch at it!' And as Sam stared at him, in indignant astonishment, he cried, "'You'll have to do this job about me. "'My hurt aches. "'Oh, the harmonium's as if I were made, "'isna as mitch to me as yon old chappith clug shop.' And choking back a sob, he gave another gesture of repudiation, and walked hurriedly out of the chapel. Lige also showed great uneasiness. In one of the earlier discussions on the now painful subject, Jabe had dropped a remark which showed that he regarded all this trouble as the result of their gallivanting at the seaside, and as the roadmender knew that he was primarily responsible for this, it gave him great unrest. Jonas Tatlock went even further, and openly recanted, and would have had the subject dropped, and one or two others gradually lost all interest in the affair, only Sam and Luke Yakes keeping up even a show of enthusiasm. Then the conscience-smitten conspirators discovered, or thought they discovered, that Jabe was not looking well, 
and it was confidently stated that he was fretting. As if to confirm this, it was made known in the village one Saturday that Jabe was in bed with a bad cold, and everybody knew it must be a bad cold indeed to have kept the clogger in his room. Then the cold developed into a sore throat, and the sore throat into a quinsy, and Aunt Judy, on guard, refused to allow even his closest friends to see him, lest he should talk and thus make matters worse. The illness spread dismay in the ranks of Jabe's opponents. Even some of the younger folk seemed anxious to disown any desire for the unfortunate harmonium, and Jethro went about declaring, If yon thou chap dees, or smash th harmonium, we me knockin' up stick, whilst others prophesied that the instrument would never get into the chapel after all. Sam Speck, however, still held out, and so, apparently, did Luke Yates, the latter, in fact, being strengthened in his persistence by the support of his gentle young wife, who was passionately fond of music. The contract for the necessary alterations in the singing pew had been given, on Ben's defection, to Tommyeth Top, a clough-end carpenter, and one evening, when Luke went home to Beckbottom and was sitting over his baggin, Leah, who had taken a chair near the door and was sewing something she seemed afraid of being seen by her teasing husband, said, Oh, see, Tommy hath top go past today. Were he going to the chapel, dost think? Oh, no, the known occur, answered Luke rather gruffly. Luke, whatever's to do with thee? Dost thou want the harmonian? Oh, wish the harmonium were smashed to flinders. Luke! Oh, do, it's makin' me fair badly, and if out happens to yond owd chap. But Luke got up hastily and hurried into the back kitchen, and Leah heard a great deal of mysterious coughing and throat-clearing before he came back again. A day or two later, however, it was known that Jabe's quinsy had burst, and that all immediate danger was over. Three days later, Aunt Judy called at Ben's shop and announced that Jabe wanted to see the carpenter, and in a moment or two, Ben was striding away as fast as his long legs would carry him towards the clog shop. Passing through the shop, he paused at the parlour door and gently opened it. "'Is that thee, Ben?' came in feeble tones from the parlour. "'Aye, lad, mun I come in?' "'Aye.' And Ben found his old friend propped up in the bed, with a huge comforter round his neck, a paisley shawl upon his shoulders, and a red-tasselled nightcap on his head. As he caught sight of the carpenter, he put out his hand, and gripping Ben's big palm tightly, he cried, whilst a big tear stood in the corner of his eye, "'Eh, lad, I'm fain to see thee!' "'And I'm fain to see thee, old lad! God bless thee!' and the two shook hands with a long clinging clasp, and gazed eagerly into each other's eyes. After a while, Ben began to tell his friend all the news he could think of, carefully avoiding, of course, the forbidden subject. But Jabe seemed very apathetic about matters, and had an absent, far-away look that alarmed Ben most seriously. "'Sit thee down, lad,' he said at length. "'I've summat to tell thee.' Ben did as he was bidden, and then Jabe wiped his face with his big red pocket handkerchief, and began in tones so serious as to greatly distress his friend. Well, lad, I've had a dream. A dream? 
Aye, and I'll ne'er forget it as long as I'm wick. Ben, I've been in heaven. Ben didn't like this at all. People who dreamed of heaven. But Jabe was proceeding. Eh, hey, lad, but it were a grand place. There were gardens and flowers and angels and all mac of grand things. Ben, and here Jabe dropped his voice into a solemn whisper. Oh, seed him. Oh, did. Oh, seed him. Aye, it were glorious. And overcome with the memory, Jabe sat looking before him with a rapt face, as if the grand vision were still before his eyes. After a moment's pause, he wiped his pale face again and went on. And when all the angels seed him, they began a singing and singing and singing. Eh, hey, Ben, thou ne'er yerd nowt like it. And some of the angels were playing herps, and some were blowing trumpets. Eh, hey, he were grand, oh, can tell thee. And once more the sick man paused and wiped his face. Then he went on. Oh, the once, both angels wi herps and trumpets geet together and flew away out of my seat. But what capped me? The music didn't stop. So I went a bit nearer, and then, oh, seed, just a two or three singing and playing by themselves. But they had no only harps, the nose, and still all good youth music. So I went a bit nearer, and then a bit nearer, and then, oh, seed, as they had summit in the middle on them, and one of the nicest of the angels were playing on it. And just then they seed me, and they all smiled at me, and flew up and come toward me. And when they flew up, or seed the music, and what does think it were? Oh, I don't know, muttered Ben, divided between wonder at Jabe's story and fear lest it should be a warning of his speedy departure. Ben, said Jabe in husky tones, leaning forward and grasping his friend's hand again. It were a harmonion. But just at this point there was an interruption. Aunt Judy came back and glancing critically at her brother's face, announced that he'd been matherin' hisself, and somewhat summarily sent Ben out. As he was going out, however, Jabe called him back, and looking at him with a gleam of the old spirit in his eye that did Ben good to see, he said, Now then, not a cheer for this till all can come out myself. During the days that followed, first one, and then another of Jabe's friends came to see him, and both they and the clogger were greatly puzzled to know how it was that nobody ever mentioned the harmonium. Jabe, lying in bed and castigating himself for his sinful obstinacy, was also trying to prepare himself to endure the hateful instrument on his first appearance at chapel. For the silence of his friends on the subject left him no room for doubting that the change had been made whilst he had been in bed whilst they, knowing nothing of his altered mind, had already abandoned all idea of getting the instrument. The Sunday week after Jabe's relation of his wonderful dream to Ben, the clogger received permission to go out, 
and of course going out meant to him going to chapel. His official duties had been for the time relegated to Ben and Nathan, and so he walked straight to his seat, nerving himself as he did so to endure the sight of the offensive harmonium. For some time he knelt in his place in silent praise to God for his recovery. Then he groped under his little green cushion for his hymn-book and Bible, and placing these in front of him, lifted his head and took his first steady look towards the singing pew. What was the matter? Nothing seemed changed. No, everything was just as it was when last he took part in worship. Ah, what next? Instead of at most two instruments at the morning service, there were six or seven. Cellos, fiddles, a trombone, and even Long Ben with the double bass. Whatever did it all mean? But just then the preacher came into the pulpit and gave out the number of the hymn. It sounded familiar, and whilst he was trying to remember what hymn it was, the instruments began to play the tune over. There was no doubt about that. It was Crambrook, and as Jabe sat in perplexity with his unopened hymn-book in his hand, the choir arose and sang out, And are we yet alive and see each other's face? And Jabe, lifting his head, caught Sam Speck staring hard at him over the singing-pew curtain, and singing with all his might. Then it appeared to the old clogger that everybody was looking at him, and singing at him in pure joy at his recovery. What a sinner he had been to quarrel with friends like these. How he got through that service, Jabe never knew, but when it did conclude, before anybody could move from their seats, he had opened his pew door and was limping excitedly down the aisle. When he reached the front, he stood on tiptoes, looking over the singing pew curtain in vain search for the terrible instrument. Then he suddenly lifted his head, and staring wonderingly at Sam Speck, he cried, Where is it? Where's what? The harmonium. We anna getten one. How's that? And then there was a pause, and Sam Speck turned and looked at Long Ben, and Ben looked at Lige, and they both looked back at Sam, so that worthy leaned over the curtain and cried, We want an harmonium, but we want a new more. Jabe suddenly went very pale. His hands shook. His face began to quiver painfully, and dropping his head upon his chest, he turned round and walked straight towards the chapel door. Before passing out, however, he stopped, and turning round and lifting his head, he looked the smiling congregation in the face, and shouted, oh, I said there shouldn't be harmonium in this chapel, and there shanna. This was a bolt from the blue indeed. Surprise, perplexity, and keen disappointment appeared on many a face, and as Jabe limped off home, the rest, standing in little groups outside, were asking each other what this harsh and unnecessary outbreak might mean, and the prevailing opinion as they parted was that the old man's brain had been affected by his recent illness. A few days later, mysterious things began to be whispered about. The super, Long Ben, Jabe and a strange gentleman had been seen, going one forenoon to the chapel, and it was known that they had spent over an hour there. And then several mysterious marks appeared on the chapel walls in the singer's corner, 
and one Sunday it was discovered that all the seats and fixtures had been removed from that particular part of the edifice, whilst an announcement was made from the pulpit that for the next two Sundays the services would be held in the schoolroom. It was evident by this time that something very strange was going on, and also that several people were already in the secret. And when the third Sunday came, and the people gathered in the chapel, they found the singer's corner occupied by a beautiful little pipe organ. The gift of Jabez Longworth. End of part 21. End of the harmonium.